Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm excited to have two guests on the show, both of whom are Blue Prism partners. The first is Walt Mayo, CEO of Expert AI, a company that specializes in natural language processing. And my second guest is Josh Noble, a partner with Reveal Group. I will be talking with Walt and Josh about why companies are adding NLP to their automation footprint and how Expert AI and Reveal Group are teaming up to address this need in the market. Welcome, gentlemen. Why don't you introduce yourselves before we get started? Walt, please kick us off. Thanks, Brad. Super to be here. Appreciate the invite and the opportunity to do this with Josh. So I'm the CEO of Expert.ai. I've been with the company for just over three years now. I'm the first non-founder CEO of the company. It, it was started in classic entrepreneurial style garage by a couple young graduates. Only the garage was in Modena, Italy, not, uh, not the typical location, but with the same dynamic. Essentially, Expert.ai has had a single-minded focus on one thing, which is transforming language into data to create value in the enterprise. So thrilled to be here. Thanks very much. And if you're going to start a company in the garage, I think you'd want it to be in Italy. Not a bad place to start it. Some of you may, may recognize Modena or Modena is how yeah. some folks pronounce it, right? And three world-class things come out of Modena. Balsamic, which a lot of people probably recognize. Sure. Ferrari, which founded in Modena and the world's best AI language technology expert.ai. We're, we're humble in comparing ourselves to those other two world-class products, but there you go. Well, you've sent me, you sent me two of those three. I'm, I'm waiting for the third one. So yeah, you'll get a warm up maybe from the Ferrari folk, but they're pretty slick too. I'll tell you that. All right, Josh, why don't you introduce yourself, please? I'm Josh Noble. I'm a partner at Reveal Group. I oversee our innovation practice and have for the past year, year and a half or so. So when we get into how do we solve problems that start to introduce cognitive capabilities, probabilities into the mix where we're not getting into just kind of straightforward RPA or now IDP to solve those more complex problems, that's generally where my team gets into the mix. By way of background, Texas guy like Brad here, so we're teaming up on Walt on that side of things. But uh, I started my career spending about five plus years in enterprise search, which is kind of interesting when we get into some of the things that you see now with ChatGBT3 and that, that type of thing out there. I quite literally wrote a book, Enterprise Search, in the Microsoft space back in that day. Spent a few more years in the automation and supply chain space and then spent about five and a half years. Uh, with Blue Prism. I was employee 32, 33, something like that with the organization before being here at Reveal Group. Fantastic. Well, it's really great to have both of you on. This intersection of AI and language is undoubtedly the hottest topic right now. Certainly, ChatGPT has driven a lot of that. 
But let's start here, Walt. Could you just tell us all about Expert AI? What does your AI platform do? Well, you introduced us as an NLP platform, natural language processing platform. Mm -hmm. And kind of immediately that takes us into a little bit of the arcane descriptions of what we do. Natural language just means the language of human beings. And that's opposed to machine language, like in software code or what have you. So we talk about natural language processing. We also talk about natural language understanding. And now there is a new category that's been prompted by GPT, which is natural language generation. Take a step back from all of that and get to the core of what we're talking about. And there's a couple key elements that I'd put forward. One is language is data. So as soon as you wrap your head around that, you begin to recognize that you can treat the data of language just as you treat any other form of data. You can manipulate it. You can extract key elements from it. You can order it, classify it, accelerate it. All of the kinds of things that have powered the technology revolution of the last 20 plus years, right? The broad category that most people apply to the different types of data is structured and unstructured. And structured data is numerical data. So it's easy to perform mathematical operations and it's very deterministic. There's only one correct answer to a mathematical operation. Unstructured data is just as the name suggests, data that is more complex and variant. And that can be everything from object recognition to our world, which is language. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, so what we do at its core is we have an integrated platform with the tools and workflows to take language in any form, speech or text or what have you, and then to convert it into structured and meaningful data that will power a business process or workflow. Right? So that's kind of the core stack that we offer. And then from that, you can create business value. And again, if you think about businesses and you think about the types of data that power businesses, well, of course, everybody knows the numerical or structured data in a business, your finance reports, a whole host of other elements of the business that are measured numerically. But a massive amount of the data in the business is language for obvious reasons all the people working there. It's the way we exchange data as human beings. So how your customers engage with you, processes and workflows that contain valuable information that is captured in language, how you understand what's going on in the market around you, the risks, the opportunities, et cetera, all embedded in the data of language. And we essentially enable you to apply the kind of technology that's been available in the structured world to the unstructured data of your language. And Walt, in which industries have you gained the most traction today? So when you think about the kinds of use cases where languages data is critical, the very first one you would think of is, well, what about a vertical where the entire business model is built on language? And that's information services. So you think about the major information services companies like Dow Jones or Standard & Poor's or Walters Kluwer or Bloomberg or Politico, their business model is built around their ability to ingest, create, and serve 
language to their end users. And that's kind of the historical roots of, uh, of a lot of the AI that was initially applied to language, right? And at that time, it was kind of called knowledge management. Think about an organization like Dow Jones probably getting millions of articles a day. How are they going to be able to extract critical information and then serve it to their end users? Right. So information services is a really strong vertical for us. And then if you continue forward, one of the verticals where we've had really meaningful traction is in insurance. Again, when you think about the two main elements of the insurance value chain, right? The front end, which is where they're pricing risk, and then the back end where they're paying out against the policies that they've written. In both of those, a tremendous amount of the really relevant information for those two processes is captured in language. And so the ability to take in, say, a 200-page assessment of the environmental conditions for a major airport in order to write a policy on that airport for property and casualty. Somebody's reading that, and they're having to do it very, very carefully, and ideally without making any mistakes. And then similarly, if somebody is assessing say a complex claim, maybe a medical claim for workers' compensation, for example. Mm -hmm. They're taking in a really broad variety of different language data types. It could be an accident report, doctor's notes, employment history, et cetera. And then they have to assess that, right? So insurance has been a big vertical for us. And then one that's emerging right now is life sciences. When you think about the complexity, the domain intensity of the language in life sciences, and how important that is for things like regulatory submissions for a drug to launch. Those are the broad use cases that really favor our technology. Thank you for those examples. Those really help bring it to life. So what are the biggest benefits you would say your customers are getting from expert AI? We start kind of unapologetically with the assertion that the single most important benchmark in artificial intelligence is ROI, right? So can pretty quickly in the AI world have folks start to go into arcane measures of accuracy and precision and recall, and there's all kinds of terminology. And of course they're important, but at the end of the day, are you helping the business make or save money or are you mitigating risk? Mm -hmm. And that's where we want to put our marker down. And Again, we're a bit old fashioned. We kind of believe that software should be worth a lot more than it costs, right? And we want our ROI to be pretty unmistakable, not require a lot of mental gymnastics in order to get there. So we'll kind of start off with that. But two broad buckets of use cases. The first is where you're dealing with language data where the complexity is very high. So it tends to be domain dependent. And when you think about across a variety of domains, the language of life sciences is radically different than the language of financial services. It's almost an entirely different language, right? Mm -hmm. Complex chemical compounds, the kinds of classifications that are used in life sciences, et cetera, right? So you start off and you say, show me language data where the complexity is very high, where accuracy is important because mistakes are costly. And if you have that use case, typically the people who are processing that language are expensive because they have to be well-trained, years of experience. It's not something that you can easily give to somebody who 
is not an expert. Right. So in that use case, essentially what we do is we bring our technology to bear and we use machine learning, deep learning, and now large language models, which is a form of deep learning, as well as what's called a symbolic or knowledge-based approach. So that's a hybrid approach and we're unique in that regard in the AI world. Essentially, we embed the knowledge of those experts. Mm -hmm. And then we provide that capability at scale. So we're able to capture what is most important in the complex language that they are assessing to drive towards accurate outcomes and do so by minimizing the number of errors. And the most immediate impact is that we're able to close to double their productivity because essentially what we're doing is pre-reading it. Now, there's very little in the way of completely hands-free automation that takes place in that use case for obvious reasons. But with our technology and accelerated by the kind of work that Blue Prism does with RPA, we're able to find the most important elements and bring them to the attention of the decision makers in a way that dramatically improves their productivity. So there's immediate OPEX savings there, of course. And then there's also the associated savings by minimizing the number of errors. So that's one big use case. The other one, it's not where the complexity is the issue, it's where the volume is the issue, right? There's simply too much language data to make it practical to hire enough people to read it. And there's still value in the signal in through the noise. Okay, so a lot of information in there. And if you can tease out the important elements, you can find something meaningful around risk for your business, for example. You can think about emails from customers to a large bank. It's going to range from a very simple inquiry through to a meaningful problem, mm -hmm. right? And having our technology up front, and again, this is where we work so well with what you all do, right? Having our technology up front as that pre-reading, if you will, and then directing the information to the appropriate parties. In some cases, it's going to be relatively modest. In other cases, you want to be certain there's the right person answering quickly, right? So it's kind of the complexity and the volume are, are the two major use cases that we bring to bear. Walt, could you elaborate on how exactly your machine learning models get trained to recognize and extract the right data from their natural language assets? You kind of start with a broad observation that in the two major approaches to AI and language, there's one which is a statistical approach. And that's where you're using really, really complex mathematics to try to predict what is the right information that you're looking for or what is the most sensible string of words to follow, the autocomplete that, that GPT does, for example. Then there's another approach called a symbolic or knowledge approach. The machine learning has a knowledge problem. It's not deterministic. It doesn't know things to be true. It predicts them. And symbolic has a little bit of a learning problem in that it does not have embedded in it pattern recognition capabilities that enable it to learn over time, okay? So what we do is we bring both together and we, we don't refer to them as machine learning model because for obvious reasons, it's beyond a machine learning model. It's a combination of a knowledge model and machine learning capability. We call them knowledge models. And so what we have created and think about it in, in a kind of a pyramid 
at the base of the pyramid is mastery of language. And so we offer 14 languages, and that would be the basic facility that you'd expect from a fluent and reasonably knowledgeable language speaker. Again, that doesn't get you very far unless you're in a generalized world, and most businesses don't operate in a generalized world. They operate in the domain in which they uh, compete. Mm -hmm. So the next one is the industry domain. And so we have enhanced capabilities for a variety of verticals, financial services, life sciences, insurance, et cetera. And then the final one is the specific use case. So it might be medical claims or a healthcare payer or for an insurer, okay? Those knowledge models are really the core of what we offer. And the beauty of the knowledge models is when we're trying to prove the value, we're typically asking a partner to provide us with tens of documents not hundreds or thousands. And generally with machine learning, you're asking for a lot of information, most of which has to be annotated, which is also a pretty big hassle. So the knowledge models are the core of what we offer. We have almost 30 knowledge models and we're continually adding to them. Thank you, Walt. So Josh, as you know, most of our listeners are pretty savvy in the area of RPA and intelligent automation. So if I'm running an automation team or a COE, why should I care about expert AI? What does it add to the mix? I'd say being in the mix for five and a half years, being on kind of the front lines of trying to find use cases, you're proposing our, our RPA engagements. I'd say almost every COE we ran into eventually would have to put opportunities on the parking lot because of some unstructured data problem. That may be information that's locked up in a document, in an email, in a free text comments or notes field that's in the middle of your ERP system. But it would be an automation where if you missed that content that was within there, either you couldn't start the automation to begin with because you needed that to feed a digital worker to get things started, or it was critical information in the middle of a process that blocked you from going after it. So for example, by adding expert AI in the mix, we, we had a customer that gets 40,000 emails a week. And some of these emails were medical audit requests. And it's a needle in a haystack sort of scenario. They had to have people going through and manually reading these emails. And many of them had attachments where the audit request letter was attached into that email. And so they had to manually open them up and go through them. I and mean, you can imagine the human effort of just continuing to do that. But if they missed one of these, it meant that there may be a stop payment for six months from a particular health payer. And that's a real big deal. So in this case, we can pass those emails through an expert AI to not only understand what's in those emails and what buckets we may need to put them into for, hey, flag the ones that are audit requests, but actually put them in buckets so that we can do all sorts of other downstream processes with them. So not just the audit request, but also extract key information. So if it is an audit request, we can have a digital worker go out and start to prepare the information to make that easier for a human to hand over those records, aggregate that form. Other things I uh, saw recently, creating sales quotes, for example, being able to understand from high volumes of emails, hey, this is the quote that I want. And it was in a free form email, understand what company wrote that quote go out, do whatever necessary research across a couple different resources they need, whether it's web, whether it's internal systems, whether it's TMS type of system, and bring that back and be able to aggregate and present, hey, human, here is probably the quote that you want to present to them. 
and doesn't necessarily have to be something where a digital worker fires that straight off to a person, but goes and aggregates that to get that information together. On the back end, uh, then also understanding, okay, what deals did we win and lose when we priced in a certain way with certain rates on there? And that's a great pairing where digital workers and expert AI can read that information. The other bit is comparing contractual clauses, for example, being able to open up long form contracts and understanding the difference on, hey, this contract has this net payment terms, this has this net payment terms, our new policy for our organization is we need to align to this. Let's bring that all together, especially when you're dealing with mergers and acquisitions, things like that. One of the most interesting approaches, Walt mentioned kind of the hybrid NLP scenario out there. And so what I think really clicked with me with expert AI on hybrid was the ability to go from both a machine learning aspect where we're looking at very potentially macro level topics. What is this medical record? Who is it? Who's it about? What is their information that's in their name, phone number, certain key information there. But now we need to layer that with very nuanced information. So we need to look through those medical records to understand are there potential signals for fraud or potential signals that we need to report out to health and human services. And to go about those, you need a couple different approaches to NLP that aren't just your kind of black box machine learning based bits out there. So I'll mention here, augmenting IDP, not just digital workers, but one of the interesting challenges as I got into IDP over the last few years, a bit deeper was many IDP tools have problems with tables. And one approach to that is layering IDP from the, how do we OCR this? How do we ingest this document overall? And then how do we then direct NLP to tables to be able to extract the information out of those tables and make sense of those. And then finally, working on a use case right now where one of our customers wants to ingest insurance cards, not just any insurance card, all medical insurance cards. And there's a couple of ways you can go about that. You can go at that from the OCR IDP perspective and try and ingest all of those visually, or you can go and say, I don't care what the layout is. I want to take it, take that from an NLP perspective. And I want to just understand, because there's only so many deviations of group number, policy number, what have you, that you could put into those cards and extract information there and get at all of them that way versus kind of a OCR IDP based deep learning. So I downstream from that, once we have that, we can go in, activate new insurance carriers for the provider. We can deactivate, we can make sure we've got all the prereqs for their visits, that type of thing. Those are fantastic examples, Josh. Thank you for sharing those. One thing that comes to mind are customers using expert AI to determine the sentiment of communications. For example, you mentioned emails. If a customer is highly agitated, is expert AI identifying that so that an email can get passed to a human to get resolved instead of a digital worker? Yes, definitely. And rerouting emails, even from a comms mining perspective, seems to be a more popular term now, now recently, but farming that to understand where do we need to redirect work? Do we need to escalate this to you know a manager and get somebody on the phone for them right away? Or can we go down our typical kind of chat bot or auto response type of channels or mm -hmm. anything in between on that? Similar to that, there's an interesting application when you apply an expert AI paired with something like Abby Timeline, for example. There's this Phenomenal, we'll see at a lot of companies where they have dark events between things that are happening when they're looking at things from a process mining, task mining perspective. So a case comes in, it goes into their internal systems, they're able to track from log files how that case moved around or claim moved around their system. But then 
it pops out and has to go to a BPO. It has to go to an external provider. And we now lose tracking. All of a sudden, it goes out into the ether. And then at some point later on, it comes back into our system and we continue processing all the way down on that. So one of the cool ways to be able to address that is applying expert AI to grab unique identifiers on some of the messages or documents that are associated with that case as it's flowing through your system. And then when that case comes back into your system, picking back up on those and being able to tie together those events so you have a holistic end-to-end -end idea of what your process is happening. Interesting. So as an automation consultancy, obviously Reveal Group has to carefully pick and choose your technology partners. Tell us why Expert AI has become a key go-to technology partner for your firm. For the past year and a half, almost two years, we've been evaluating natural language processing technologies going way in the weeds on them. And there's some common problems we've seen across the board. And somehow we come across Expert AI kind of serendipitously and... It solves all four of the major problems that we're seeing on adoption of natural language processing capabilities. I'll hit on the two most important ones here. One, Walt just covered the hybrid NLP approach where we're talking about symbolic and machine learning coming together, plus now adding in the, the large language model component. But where that becomes very interesting is when we need to start to layer in capabilities. So we need to layer in disambiguation. For example, we need to do PII redaction on documents. But we only want to redact information that is really PII, so phone numbers about an individual, but don't redact information that's phone numbers about a company. You have to be very specific in training your NLP capability to get down into that level of granularity and the explainability that comes with it. When you're looking at an RPA technology, and most of the customers we work with are based in some RPA technology to begin with, they expect an end-to-end -end audit trail. On there. They don't expect things to go into a black box and some magic happens and then hopefully they get a result that's coming out of it. And with expert AI, we have that end-to-end -end audit trail. It can go after just about any use case that falls into the NLP category. The second part is on the infrastructure component. It's been a big hurdle for a lot of companies to be able to adopt NLP due to an infrastructure side. You know what? Most of your NLP tools out there are that toss us thousands of documents, go into a black box, up in a cloud, fairly expensive. You don't really know what's going on behind the scenes on that side of things. Whereas expert AI, we can put it as a SaaS solution, but we can put it on premise. We can put it on bare metal. We can put it in a hybrid scenario. We can extract out just the relevant kernels bits that you need and just put those in place so that it's running on containers. So that flexibility is huge for companies and the ability to have it on-site or in your data center and not in some, some foreign data centers. Well, ChatGPT is clearly the hottest topic right now. So let me just cut to the chase and ask you, is ChatGPT a threat to expert AI? My short answer would be no. And I'll be a little bit more expansive than that. I just want to extend a personal thanks to Sam Altman, the GT OpenAI team and Microsoft for funding a capability that we have integrated and embraced in our platform. We didn't have 4 billion laying around, so it would have been a little bit challenging for us, but <laughs> recognize that GPT, which is the underlying technology, generative pre-trained transformer. That technology has been around since about 2017 when Google introduced this whole idea of transformers, right? And it, 
There was a famous paper that was written called Attention is All You Need. And it was Google that introduced it. And then we saw this iteration of transformer models, many of which took some form of Sesame Street name, like Bert and Elmo and so forth. And what they were showing was this ability to do what it's called natural language generation. So you could prompt the large language model and it could produce human sounding, pretty convincing, syntactically correct prose. So that's really the key behind the GPT and NLG technology, this ability to create prose. That's natural language generation. And it has some fairly extraordinary applications. And there's lots that will emerge from it. We're using GPT as it, in the same way that people refer to a tissue paper as Kleenex, right? They're actually large language models, right? right. So any large language model, and GPT is just the most advanced yeah. currently, right? Yeah. But there's a whole stack of them. I mentioned the naming convention around Sesame Street characters. There's a whole stack emerging on South American mammals. And I think what you'll see is large language models are going to get smaller and specialized. And so our focus is on understanding language, mm -hmm. less than on generating entirely new prose. So it is distinct in that way, but there are some applications that will be helpful. And one of them is summarization. Okay. So if you take a long report and you say, give me a three page summary of this report, you're generating text. So that's a natural language generation exercise. And there's two different kinds that you can do. One is abstractive, which is what ChatGPT does, which is it abstracts and then creates new text that more or less captures the intent or the key elements. And then there's another one called extractive. And extractive is where you say, I'm going to pull the key elements from the document. And what you will have with that is certainty. You're not going to be seeing anything that's not somewhere in the document. Moreover, you can see exactly where it is in the document. And the two potentially go together in a pretty powerful way. So you can say, give me a summarization of say, a three hour deposition for a worker's claim litigation. And you can have an abstractive summarization of that powered by GPT, and then an extractive summarization side by side. And we offer both in our platform. Okay, so that's one. Fundamentally different kinds of applications. The other is there's still a lot of question marks around some of the enterprise considerations for GPT, things associated with privacy, for example, right? right? And OpenAI is trying to address that latency. It's very, mm -hmm. very slow. It does have the tendency to make things up. So I saw a decision tree for whether you should use GPT or not, and the first question was, does it matter if the answer is true? If yes, and it said, don't use GPT, <laughs> right? And, and I don't want to overstate that because it is pretty extraordinary, but it will give you an answer. And you do have to be mindful of the fact that sometimes the answer is not going to be accurate. And in some domains, that's just not acceptable. There, there was a really good graphic that was put out by Google a long time ago. It was an infographic and it showed the relative importance of the elements in any AI solution. And in the very center was the algorithmic approach, which most people focus on the model. And it tried to size those elements by importance. And it was actually surprisingly small because there was so much else around it, like the data, but even something more important than that, like 
what exactly are you trying to accomplish? Have you been super thoughtful about the value that you're going to derive? Right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we come into play, right? We have an enterprise grade platform. We've done hundreds of deployments. And as we bring our solutions to the market, we're going in with confidence that it's going to deliver that benchmark that I spoke to earlier, which is ROI end to end. Josh, let me go back to you. Now that we've brought up Chad GPT, what's a potential use case involving RPA, expert AI, and Chat GPT, the three of them working together to solve some type of business outcome? So a couple things to keep in mind. Whereas we talk about an, an expert AI from the ability to train it on new content, keep it current, the, a, a lot of other things that you can do with it. Understand that GPT and others, for example, GPT-4, information and training is cut off on September 2021. It does not know information about your company, your part numbers, your SKUs, your, you know, your nuanced language of your organization or events after 2021 as it currently is right now. You hear it referred to as an auto-regressive transformer. What does that mean? It's actually looking at your text and trying to understand what you're trying to type next. It's trying to predict that kind of like a type ahead type of thing, which is really great when we get into its ability to help you with code writing or help you get ahead of something, but it's just generating the language that it thinks you want to read, not necessarily what it's actually reading on the page, which if we're talking about end-to-end -end automation, we want that digital worker to really understand what was exactly being written on the page generally. It's out there to give you what it thinks you want to hear. And again, great trade if you're trying to create content that a human will expand on or chatter in a podcast, but a little different for end-to-end -end automation. In fact, OpenAI's GPT-4 technical paper, I don't know if you've dug into that yet, but it very clearly cites not to over-rely on the tool, not to use it for critical decision-making in government, legal, healthcare, and that it's getting very good at providing untruthful information. And then the other bit is understanding the limitations of how much information that it can process. So GPT-3, you could handle both in the call and the response about three pages total. 3.5 was six pages total with GPT-4. Depending on the model, you usually can get up to about 50 pages. So you wouldn't point it at a long-form contract, but that's where the pairing starts to get really interesting. Another area to think of that caught my attention last week related to this and where we start to get into RPA land is IFTTT, if then this, that, came out with their latest integration with OpenAI capabilities to write blogs, to create social posts, to summarize text, to quickly be able to put content out in the world which again, we don't just need robots generally to put content out there. And so when we think about GPT and we think about, okay, I want information to help me make decisions and I want cliff notes of information and mm -hmm. I'm okay with it not having everything in there. That's great. That is a, that summarization is great use. But if I wanted to then turn around and use it to automate investment decisions and actually make those investments, not the thing I'm going to have in the middle of the mix, whereas an expert AI could very much be put into that. Similarly, Salesforce.com, Einstein, they just came out with, an, or it's in beta right now, the Einstein GPT integration. Marketing use cases, customer service use cases, that's where you start to see a very easy, a much easier way to see the integration with expert AI, RPA, GPT. So for example, using expert AI to extract information very accurately, not just think it knows what it's talking about, but definitely knows exactly the information it's getting. Using Salesforce's integration to go grab information from Salesforce, use RPA to go out and grab information from other content sources, 
bring that all together, and then you could use a GPT to summarize that information back to a user if they wanted it. What's the current information I need about my account? Be able to, Walt mentioned pre-reading. So we can use expert AI to get into long-form contracts and direct GPT to relevant sections of that content. So I need to create a prospectus report that's only a couple pages, but part of that needs to be a summary of what that report was about. I can have expert AI target that. The same thing, I mentioned patient information earlier. So I want to have a summary of their visit history, but I know a utilization management for a person is going to see that. It's specifically just to help us understand the history of that person. Great. Use that for that segment of the view that reviewer is looking at, but then use an expert AI to recognize irregularities, fraud patterns, social determinants of health, that type of thing. And only once we've gone through that with proper levels of check, do we turn around and have automated posting to health and human services sites or user vigilance for filing out in Europe. So, and lots of different bits there. I think one of my interesting takeaways on on it is remember that GPT in this scenario is kind of like a genie, maybe Calypso and Twisted Metal if you're in the video game side of things. Like you got to be very, very careful and directed, very prompted on exactly what you're asking it for and set the right context. And they can be really useful tools as long as you, you know how to prompt it up right. All right, fair enough. Walt, the last question is for you. Tell us what's next for expert AI. How do you expect the platform to evolve in the years to come? You're seeing a convergence of technologies and what SS&C Blue Prism does so well and what Reveal Group does so well around process automation. This kind of category that emerged that was called intelligent document processing and then artificial intelligence that is trained on the language of data, they're starting to converge. And that to me feels like the most powerful secular trend that's behind our back. And we're super excited about that. Moving information to the right people, giving them the relevant information that they need so that they can make smarter, more consistent and faster decisions. It just has obvious business benefit. So we're, we're super excited about that. The other piece, and I'm, I'm really glad we built this in. And as we were building our platform, we recognized that the technology was evolving very rapidly and that there were going to be new forms of artificial intelligence emerging that were relevant in our domain. GPT has been the biggest one. And so we built the platform to embrace all of them and the ability to deliver it in the enterprise. with all the considerations that Josh mentioned and things like privacy concerns and so forth, I think that's where it's going to move to, where people are going to say, okay, this is fantastic. Now, how exactly can we do this in a way that's cost-effective and addresses all of our concerns? And that's where we think we've got a real sweet spot. So I'm just incredibly excited about what's happening. I started this journey just a little over three years ago, and it's just, I think it's an ancient Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. So. We're having, we're having a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, Walt and Josh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys about expert AI. This has really broadened my understanding of the applicability of NLP and NLU. So thank you for being on the show. Both of your firms are highly valued partners of Blue Prism and your perspectives on this topic were truly interesting and uh, educational. So thank you, and I wish you the very best. Thanks so much, Brad. Appreciate it, Brad. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. 
For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.